This is the VIP Podcast, Virginia in Politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP Podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. Good afternoon, this is Chris Saxman on the VIP podcast brought to you by Virginia Free, of which I am the executive director, and VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia. Those are the cable guys. Uh, we put this to, uh, series of podcasts in collaboration with one another, and today our brand new VIP is Delegate Philip Scott from the new 63rd District, correct, sir? Uh, yes, that will be the plan next year after I run for re-election and win in November. Okay, so you're you're currently, on, I believe, in the, the old 88th, is that right? Yeah, currently the 88th, correct, yes. That's uh, for my former classmate, uh, Mark Cole. That's, Wonderful uh, man. Yes, good man, good man. And uh, so what got you into, into, into running for the House of Delegates, Philip? Is it Philip or Phil? What are we going to do? Uh, either one. Uh, Phil is fine. That's a little bit less formal. And so uh, definitely Which do you prefer? Here. Is it, I, had, I had an Uncle Philip, so... You know. It doesn't matter. We can we can okay. go with Phil on this and make it a little How bit. How about less Delegate formal. Scott? Delegate Scott, why did you decide no. to work with the House of Delegates? <laughs> Let's make it easier. Uh, for all right. So uh, I have five daughters, and uh, you know, a few years ago it was only you know one and then three. I have a set of twins, and I I wanted to make sure that I was going to do everything that I could to make sure that I was protecting their future, and so I started getting involved with my local party. I ran for school board a couple of years ago because my kids are school age and and involved in the school system. And I wanted to make sure that I was being an advocate for them and making sure that I was an advocate, not just for my children, but for all kids and all parents. Uh, sure. When I was running for school board uh, in June of 2019, we found out that my fourth daughter that we were expecting to be born um, had some markers for a chromosome abnormality called trisomy 18 or Edwards syndrome. And then after further tests, we discovered that she did test positive for that. And we were told that she was only going going to live for a few months to a few year, few, uh, I'm sorry, few moments to a few hours. Wow. And um, so we put us through a, a whirlwind. Sure. And even now, when I try to recall all this, right, my mind is just all jumbled up sure. um, just because the emotions come back. Sure. And we delivered her via C-section at 34 weeks um, at the beginning of September, 2019, right as campaign season was starting to kick off her school board. Um, she lived a lot longer than a few moments uh, to a few hours. She's almost three years old today. So that's jump forward to the happy story, right? Um, wow. But during that time, she had to go up to Children's National in DC for a surgery to connect her stomach and her esophagus. And she spent 74 days in the NICU up there. And needless to say, it's hard to run a school board race from DC when you know the locality is like an hour and a half away. And I didn't win in that November. But I stayed plugged in with my local committee. I stayed engaged with my local community, um, got appointed to various boards and, and my area. I've served on the board of directors for my subdivision, continued to be involved. And people saw that. And they saw that a candidate who lost an election did not stop them or stop him from continuing to engage and, and, and work for the betterment of the community. Okay. And then I was you know, working closely with Delegate Mark Cole or former Delegate Mark Cole at this point. And he recognized that dedication. And when he decided to step down, he and I had a phone call um, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to step down and it's time for me to hand the baton off to. And I was like, okay, cool. Who are you thinking about handing the baton off to? I, you know, I'll get behind them and support them. 
And he was like, well, I haven't given it much thought, but you're the first person to come to mind. Wow. So, <laughs> so that, that's going to be crazy because Mark Colt does not show his, his hands at all, ever. That, that guy is like the complete yeah. poker face of all time. <laughs> yeah. So it gave pause. I met up with him. He shared the time commitments that we're going to go into this. And everything that we had going on with Brianna, I mean, she had just recovered from heart surgery um, and, and, you know, so all these different things. And, and we have young kids. My wife was pregnant with our fifth. And we we're like, maybe it's not the right time. But then I had other calls from other folks saying, Phil, now is the time to step up. This is, this is your moment. And I want you to step up. I want you to either represent me or I want to work alongside you in the house. And so my wife and I prayed about it. We asked God for some very specific signs. He answered it and, and you know, made those signs clear and mm -hmm. then ran in a, a very tough three-person primary won that and then you know worked hard to make sure that i i didn't slow down going into november and and one in november and so that's kind of the the quick overall yeah no, no that's uh that's it's, it's worthy of recounting that uh that storyline because i think so often in politics we lose sight of the why yeah the why is very important your, your initial why was incredibly uh, powerful um not dissimilar to mine 20 some odd years ago when i when i jumped in um, but like you, I was also asked, and it's, it's kind of a weird thing, and I don't really aspire or ascribe to that notion of, well, my friends told me I should run, you know, that whole line. But in the reality was, in, in my situation, I was asked. And I think it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a powerful moment, especially when someone like Mark Cole, who was, you know, the, the guy in that district for 20 years, you know, basically, right. hanging, I wouldn't say hand picks you, but he went to you first, right? And that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, and it was. And I, I, the way that I view public service is um, everybody can go after something. Anybody can just say, hey, I want this, or I think I'm the best. But right. what we should be doing is, is, for those of us that are in there, we should be following the Mark Cole example and saying, this person has the servant's heart. This person is getting in the trenches. This person is working hard. And this is the caliber of person that we need in Richmond or in DC. And, and that way we can make sure that we're gonna find people that are focused on the people and not an agenda or not a career, um, but really serving for the common good. And your, your new district, how much of the, of the 63rd is the old 88th? A very small amount of it. Um, oh. So yeah, right now I only have like Northern uh, Spotsylvania that's part of the new 63rd. Um, and so that's going to continue over, okay. which so I'm, but I'm losing Stafford, I'm losing Fred City, and I'm losing Falkir, uh, but I'm gaining all the Western Spotsylvania, and I'm gaining Eastern Orange is is kind of the new makeup of the the new district there. And any competition from within your party at this point? To my knowledge, no. I'm I'm going to be running for re-election, uh, you know, and and Lord willing, uh, have no primary and be able to focus on helping other candidates get across the finish line next year. Because there's been a, a series of um, district changes uh, north mm -hmm. and west of you. Yep. Did, does that impact you at all? Or were you apprised of that with the Freitas, Weber, and uh, LaRock triumvirate discussion? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nick Freitas and I, Delegate Freitas and I are good friends. And um, he and I have had a few conversations and Delegate Weber and I are, are good friends. And we've had a few conversations and I kind of knew what the plans were from their perspective and right. kind of seeing how things were going to go with the uh, congressional primary for the seventh district. And that was kind of kind of all unfold after that to see where that went. But 
as far as any of that, it did not impact me whatsoever. Um, I was districted into a new district all by myself. And so there was no need for me to move into a new district, no need for me to, you know, encourage somebody to move out or anything like that. So I I really did get uh, win the lottery, so to speak, in the redistricting. Well, not too many people can say that. And if they do, they typically, yeah. they're typically quiet about it because they don't want to be, <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone will bludgeon them later in the, in the legislature. But anyway, let's talk about the, the, the new district, your plans. Uh, you obviously run three election. What's going yep. on in the new 63rd? What are you seeing on the ground? What issues are important to people right now? I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing that got Yunkin across the finish line. It's education, right? Uh, parents mm-hmm. want to make sure they're being able to engage with the local school boards. They want to make sure they're having a say as to what's being taught, what type of materials being presented or made available to their students. Um, we need to make sure that we're just supporting the parents in this, right? Like, right. like I said, I ran and got involved as a parent because I wanted to make a difference for my kids. And so I can connect with these other parents that have these either similar viewpoints as mine or even different viewpoints as mine. Because at the right. end of the day, all parents want what they think is best for their children. And we need to make sure that we are empowering the parent Sure. engaging the parents so that they know they have an active voice. And uh, are people with me, it was, uh, I was watching the um, uh, debate with my wife, the famous, now famous debate in Northern Virginia Chamber of Commerce. And I missed it when McAuliffe said what he said. And my wife went, oh, that's that's a problem. And she's not very politically oriented. I'm like, why, what what happened? What, what, what did I miss yeah. here? And uh, she basically, she goes, she basically said, that uh, parents who've been educating their kids for the last, uh, you know, two years don't matter in the conversation. I was like, oh, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. So. And, and, and the answer to this, right, there's, there's really one very complicated answer for this. And it's not a simple answer, but it's very complicated when it comes to legislation and carrying it through is, is total universal school choice. And I had submitted a, a great robust school choice package last year. Um, Didn't make it out of committee, um, but we're going to be resubmitting that same bill this year because we really need to further that conversation. And it's the answer to just about every single problem that a parent has. If a parent believes, you know, schools should have mask mandates, they can take their state dollars and go to a school that has a mask mandate. If they think their kids shouldn't have to wear a mask, they can take their state dollars and go to a school that doesn't have that. Or if they believe that certain materials shouldn't be made available to kids, it's, it's the real answer for all this. And then it also gives an opportunity for folks in some of the tougher areas to give to get access to education they normally wouldn't have access to. And so we're going to continue that conversation of school choice going into this next legislative session, because I think that's really what parents ultimately need to uh, give them the most power and control when it comes to their own children. Yeah, that's uh, that's your uh, your 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 plucking my heartstrings on that one because I carried the first uh, school choice bill in 2003 and it eventually okay. eventually passed uh, I got out of the house that year and then over to the Senate and it just languished for years in the Senate and finally yeah. uh, after Bob McDonald was elected we got it passed and signed into law Jimmy Massey carried it so it's definitely and one of the things that I often uh, talked about was the uh, you can you can send this is a great talking point by the way for you on this on the stuff <laughs> Uh, constitutionally, you can send uh, state dollars to private yep. religious schools in, in pre-K, and you can do it post-graduation in, from high school for college education, but you can't do it from K through 12. And that's, that's, I think that's wrong. And I think parents recognize you can have school choice for pre-K, and you can have school choice, universal school choice, 
for higher education, we have the, we have the best higher education systems in the world because yeah. that's the way we do it. We don't, we don't cordon off kids by geography and zip code for, for higher education. And yet we somehow uh, take this as uh, the way things are and always will be for K through 12. No, it's, you're um, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, and I know I know I'm absolutely right. I just want people to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I've been right for a long time, Phil. You know, that's right. <laughs> and that's the reason why I'm here today, right? You know, yeah. you, now, now look, I mean, I mean, I, chew, I chop it up with folks, but for the most part, we have a, a civil, engaging conversation about you know policies. And when someone said, when someone I agree with them, you know, I'm going to let them know. And if they're, if they're out of bonds, I go to you know maybe not today. I'll, and I won't, I won't, you know, tamp on them too much or get in too much of a, of a, of a contest with it. That's just not what this podcast is all about. You know, it's right. just the podcast is all about getting to know y'all better, the, the senators and the delegates and then uh, some, you know, some uh, congressional folks as well. We've done some congressional uh, candidates, but uh, let, let's do a little bit deeper dive into Delegate Philip Scott. We'll take a bit of a break here from policy and the personal uh, reasons why you ran for office. And tell us a, a little bit more about yourself. What are your favorite TV shows? Uh, TV shows. Um, so my wife and I, for the longest time, we watched This Is Us, uh, mostly oh. through Hulu, because we don't have the freedom and flexibility of just, you know, dropping all things when a certain TV show comes on, because with Brianna, uh, mm. during the evening, there's a lot of different cares that have to be done with her, and that kind of eats up an evening. And then after a night nurse shows up, if we're lucky enough to have a night nurse, then we'll sit on the couch and kind of, you know, browse through Hulu or whatnot. Uh, but I'm really not a TV guy. I really don't watch a whole lot of TV. Instead, I, I dabble with hobbies and activities. Okay. I, I like woodworking. Um, I like getting out into the shed and, and building stuff with my hands. Uh, we put an addition on our house. I spent over 10 years in residential construction. I've got my contractor's license. And so I used to run a, a contractor's business. Um, and it's still active. The business is still active. The contractor's license is still active in case I ever wanted to get that going again. Um, and so I put the addition on our house. It was a one and a half car garage with a bonus room above it. Did 95% of the work myself or with family help and wow. uh, did that, you know, just a bunch of different things. But I really like just getting out and, and getting into the garage and tinkering, do, building something with wood. And so I have I've built benches for the house. I built a, a little entry bench and coat hanger. Uh, I've built shelves for Brianna's room. I've, I've just about every room of the house has something that I built um, in it. And so that's kind of what I do with my time. Um, you know, so just a variety of different things like that. That's great. This is, this is one, one reason why we ask these questions is you, you get so much insight into other people because, you know, we get we get locked into our oh, Republican, Democrat, red versus blue, you know, conservative, liberal, yeah. progressive, whatever it is. Uh, and you really miss the person. Uh, favorite movies of all time? What do you think? Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big Batman fan. I love really? like okay. just the character of Batman. He's my favorite superhero. And so I'd have to say uh, the Batman Begins, uh, Dark Knight and all that, that, that trilogy there uh, okay. by Christopher Nolan. So, you know, I would have to say that trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll go into books now. Favorite books. What, 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 the, what, the, what do you look back on and go, yep, that's one I'd read again. Uh, first and foremost, always is going to be the Bible, um, the first okay. one that I would answer. But uh, right now, uh, I'm going through working on a PhD in public policy. So I'm reading a ton of really great books. And so as far as a reference book that I love to always have on hand is the Heritage Guide to the Constitution, um, because it's just a great resource. Uh, and it's a good book to have on hand, you know, when they're 
a question comes up about policy or right. you know your Supreme Court ruling just to kind of dive in a little bit deeper and see what's going on. Now, uh, uh, so currently the, obviously, obviously the Bible is a series of books, uh, yeah. wonderful stories. That, you know, one way to get people to read the Bible is to try to ban it from schools because it's too pornographic or violent or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The kids be like, what do you mean? There's sex in this and there's violence? I should read this. <laughs> you yeah. you got to think, we got to turn that around, that whole narrative. So in the Bible, what are your, what are your favorite books? Uh, the book of James. Um, I, I really enjoy the book of James. I think it's a great book for practical living, um, especially in a modern era. And so that's one that I um, try to hold to. My favorite verse comes from book of Jeremiah, which uh, God commanded the nation of Israel to engage in public activity for the betterment of Babylon. And in doing so, they too would prosper. So I've taken that, you know, prosper the city for in doing so you too may prosper as a personal call to get involved in like my property owners association, right. uh, county board, delegate. It's, it's kind of that personal call for me to continue to better the, the society that I'm in and make it so that all people can prosper. And in doing so, I too will prosper along with you and everybody else. So was that, was that like the, the verse you came back to when you decided to run? Was that like- yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of been the driving force um, ever since I came across it years ago is, is you know, oh. you got to keep pushing forward. You got to keep, if, if you keep this bigger idea of why am I doing this? I'm doing this for my kids or I'm doing this for society or I'm doing this so that others may benefit, right? right. Uh, when I ran for school board, not just for me as a parent, but for other parents, because in doing so, we all will reap the benefits of a better society. Very good. Um, favorite college sports teams, college sports. What do you, what do you, do you lean anywhere in there? You not a big fan of college sports. I really don't track that. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, graduate of Liberty University, and so I root for them. Um, but, okay. well, you know. They've got some good football basketball <laughs> teams lately. They're doing real well. They're, they're doing really good, and they've come a long way. Um, my, my mom's uh, mom, my grandmother, uh, is from Alabama, and so mm. my mom roots for, you know, Alabama football. So, Right, right, right. How about pro side? Anything there? Uh, uh from South Jersey, so Philadelphia all the way, the Eagles, 76ers, the Phillies. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's uh we used to have this song in in college. We used to you know, <laughs> I won't bore you. That what the hell? I'll tell the story. <laughs> we played the 76ers song, one, two, three, four, five, 76ers. And when that song came on at our at our fraternity, we would put our we'd go underneath people and throw them up on our shoulders and we'd all dance like double double stack <laughs> the 76ers song i'll send you the version of it it's, it's just one of those stupid things we did in the 80s sure absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get from south jersey to uh, to liberty what was what's that story all right so uh so from south jersey uh my dad was out of work after my younger brother passed away after two and a half weeks um, and then a friend of his got him a job up in Maine and I was three years old when that happened. And so we moved to Maine. Um, and then, um, after my mom got remarried, my stepfather was in the computer industry and moved us to Virginia, uh, because it was a better market for computer programmers down here. And so I've been down in Virginia ever since I was 14 and okay. I've made Virginia my home. And, uh, when I was 18, I went to Liberty university in person, um, but I, I was not quite ready to be on my own and engaging in college life. And so I only did one semester there. And then I came back home, got involved with work and, you know, engaging in, in the uh, business, you know, realm of side of things and, and professional side of things, worked 
you know, Wawa, you know, books a million, a variety of different places, ended up at Jabs Construction out at Dumfries, and then went back to Liberty University online after going to two years of Bible school. And that's kind of how I, I finished my degree, my bachelor's degree, my two master's degrees, and my, my PhD right now is all through Liberty University online. That's fantastic. Good for you. That's, that's awesome. I, I, I love those stories because it's a, it's a wonderful story of, you know, perseverance, uh, you know, keep striving. And, uh, you know, this is what happens. I was talking to one of our board members, Virginia Free, over the weekend, and I never knew his story. He was a very successful business guy, has, you know, well over a thousand employees. And, uh, you know, he didn't think about going to college. He was up in, I think, Mount Vernon area of North Virginia. And someone said, well, you should go to uh, North Virginia College. It's community college. They'll take anybody. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, he, you know, he's got a real, real soft spot. He just wasn't that guy coming out of high school, right? And he's got this really massive, successful business right now. And, you know, it's also, you know, <laughs> it's a different perspective on life. And I just think those are wonderful, non-traditional routes that I think make it, make it all so interesting. And um, that's why we ask those questions. I think people kind of go, yeah, I can relate to that story. There's a yep. great quote by uh, Steve Jobs that the, the storyteller is the most powerful person on earth, you know, and it's the, the stories of the Bible, right? There's, those are all uh, anecdotes. And, and as you said, the book of James is a, is a, a, a relevant guide for living today. You know, yep. those, are, those, those are the ones people go, oh, okay, that's different. I, I learned yeah. something. From that. What, uh, what are you looking forward to in the upcoming General Assembly session? As, as I already mentioned, uh, the school choice bill, um, that one's what, what are we looking at? We've got two, two, two you know, very close uh, splits in the House and the Senate, um, short session because everyone's going to be running for a re-election and a lot yep. of running against each other. Big I know. Corn this year. So, say that again, you just broke up for a second. You know, a lot of popcorn this year in the general yeah. Senate. Yeah, so... Um, Another bill that I'm really excited about is uh, my medical license reciprocity bill that got carried over from last year. Um, just like every other industry out there, there's a need for positions to be filled, vacancies to be filled. And we're, we're trying to work with, you know, the regulatory board. It's in different states, you know, surrounding Virginia to kind of figure out what we can do to streamline the medical license reciprocity process. You know, we have licensure by endorsement for a variety of different um, fields, but we want to expand that. We want to make it more robust and make it easier for a doctor who might be in Maryland to be able to practice in Virginia. And, you know, also at the same time to, to, be, sub, to be subject to the regulatory board. And I, I hate using the word subject, right? Because it's, it yeah. has a weird connotation. It is what, to it, it, is what it is. I mean, yeah. you're, 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 you have to adhere to the regulations. Yeah, adhere to the regulations. And so make sure that, you know, we're protecting our citizens, right? We don't want some rogue doctor coming in and, and doing some crazy stuff that's not good and beneficial to the people. Um, and so the, the one of the challenges is getting a good communication between regulatory boards. If there's a doctor in another state that's undergoing investigation, what can and cannot be shared and kind of creating those channels of communication. So we're, we're in, actively engaged in those conversations. Well, those, um, that, uh, those border localities really do need that flexibility of attracting yeah. people because uh, they'll bounce back and forth across the uh, the borders there and have that flexibility reciprocity would be would be yeah. very helpful is it, what's the pushback well what's the pushback on your first bill in school choice on the education committee is it just like it wasn't the right time we're going to wait till this year what's the story 
So there was there was a few things. Um, one of the things was the financial impact statement. I think we only submitted a five million dollar financial impact when it's really like fifty million dollars. And okay. so we're just going to have to come back to that um, and figure out where we can kind of get money from the budget to help that out. Um, and then it's it just a, I didn't do a good job. I was freshman delegate. It was a big carry. Um, yeah, and yeah, so I didn't get the messaging out there. Um, so well, I was, I was, I was, I was talking, I had dinner with a bunch of uh, lobbyists last night and we were talking, I forget how it came up. So I think I might've mentioned to my wife or one of the, one of the, one of the spouses that was there. I said, you know, when, when a delegate puts their own bill in, when a legislator puts his own bill, bill in, they don't really have too much of a chance because no one's working the bill. You got to really work the bill yep. And, yep. and lobby for it. You just can't show up and come in and go, oh, I'm Delegate Scott. This is my bill. They're going to go next. So right. Don't have time for right. This. Yep. That's, just, that's just the nature of the some People don't quite understand on the outside looking in. What about the uh, reciprocity bill? What happened there? So there was just some pushback because the wording wasn't right. Um, and, at, you know, we had a couple of different versions of it. And at the end of the day, uh, there were some other pieces of legislation that were passed that kind of overlapped with what I was doing. So we carried it over to 2023 so that we can kind of see what did get finalized last year. How can we rewrite this to make it actually do something as opposed to just duplicating something that is in another bill? Um, and then we also have one that's we're going to be following up on that's I think very important. It's it's a, it was a study bill last year um, for. Uh, Department of Medical Assistance Services to come up with a way for there to be direct purchase of different supplies or medical uh, medicines or other medical devices that I, somebody who's on Medicaid or Medicare might Medicaid or Medicare might need um, that they can purchase. My daughter, she had a she has a uh, G tube and she gets fed through a feeding pump and she gets formula that can be bought over the counter and Medicaid covers it because it's prescribed by the doctor. Well, there's a huge markup when it comes to the supply company, as opposed to going to directly to the, even a retailer. And so it was like three or four times the amount of a canister of formula that we could have purchased at Walmart uh, that mm. Medicaid was getting billed by the, the supplier. Cause you know, they have to bring it into their warehouse. They got to pay all their overhead on right. doing something multiple times. And so we've got this bill in place so that we can hopefully save millions of dollars of Medicaid expenses by giving the parent the ability to directly purchase. Um, it would be very similar to an EBD card. And coming out of a formula shortage like we just did, if a supply company doesn't have it, but you can go online and maybe find it at on Amazon or another supplier and, and get it, we should be empowering parents to be able to take care of their kids or take care of their own medical needs that Medicaid or Medicare covers. Yeah, and this is these are issues that when you pull back the veneer of the the daily dialogue of politics, looking you know conservative liberal that you talk about, it's like wow, these guys really do care, and they really do work on issues that impact us, and it doesn't fit the narrative that so many in the media. I mean, even back twenty years ago, and I hate to keep going saying that these are all the stories from back in the day, but some of these stories just don't go away. I'd go home and people are like, all y'all do is talk about guns and abortion. I'm like, no, we really don't. We we talk yeah. about that maybe one two percent of the time. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, we have a lot of bills. We have two thousand bills. We don't talk about these things. We talk about other things. That's what's yeah. reported in the papers. That's what y'all read. The reality is we're working on really tough, difficult issues uh, and trying to make people's lives better. So good on you for. We're stepping in the breach there on education and health issues. What uh, what committees are you on, Philip? I'm on health welfare institutions, there you go. county, cities, and towns, and privileges and elections. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, you got one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wanted um, health welfare institutions because I'm very passionate about that. Oh, the sure. health industry. P, P and E yeah. and county cities and towns, you know. Mm. Uh, I, I want like, that's like drilling a live tooth, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a hellacious Friday right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy P and E. Um, I, I wanted that because I, I had a lot of great ideas, um, because in everybody's mind, their ideas are always the best, of um, on election reform. And I wanted to be part of that process. And then, um, you know, I, I, I guess I got luck of the draw with county cities and towns and, and got put on that one. That's really lucky. Um, so, you know, obviously your predecessor chaired P&E for a number of years. Yep. So. yep. And that was another reason why I wanted to be on it was continue okay. that legacy. Good. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a unique, unique committee. I'll say that. It's a unique yeah. committee. Well, Delegates Philip Scott, we wish you the very best of luck here on the VIP podcast. Virginia Free is nonpartisan, as you know, and VCTA has brought to you this, uh, this podcast, an opportunity. It'll be out uh, when we get this all taped up and uh, ready for ship. It'll go out on YouTube and uh, Spotify and Apple. So if you're out there in the world of podcasting, subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Please like, subscribe, and share as you do. And Delegate Philip Scott, we wish you the very best this summer and to your, to your wonderful family and your daughter. Thank you for sharing that story um, and the rest of what you're working on. We, all, we wish you the very best. All right. Well, thank you very much. Take care. <laughs>